Welcome to Between Data and Risk podcast. Today, our guest is Jamie Jay, founder of Bottleneck Distant Assistance, who will be discussing with us the role of processes in structuring business operations. Stay tuned. If you're a business owner or senior manager, you probably had more than enough about all the wonderful opportunities awaiting you in the era of digitalization. Whether it is big data, cloud, data science, or whatever buzzword is currently trendy. If you would like to hear someone dissecting these claims and showing you what it actually takes to improve business processes, you're in the right place. This is Between Data and Risk, where we discuss real-life examples of what works and what doesn't in the world of business operations. Hello, I'm Artur Guya, Cognition Shared Solutions Chief Risk and Strategy Officer. And with me is my co-host, your friendly neighborhood data guy, Dr. Marian Siviak. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Between Data and Risk. And today we'll be talking about the importance of business processes. Uh, we are excited to have with us our uh, guest, uh, Jamie Jay, founder of and managing director of Bottleneck Distant Assistance and Live with Bottleneck Podcast, a veteran US Army paratrooper who received an Ar uh, Army Achievement Medal for Meritorious Service, who agreed to share some of his experiences with us. Hello, Jamie. Well, hello. <laughs> uh, Jamie, we are so excited to have you with us. I must say that Jamie J is the person who is behind our existence as a, as a podcast. He inspired us and he also gave us some, 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 some processes. Uh, Jamie, maybe you don't mind saying, you know, do you do it for a living? Like, you know, inspiring podcasts. I know that you inspired more than, than just us. Oh my gosh. Uh, I guess yes, and uh, I don't know if I do it for a living. I do it for more for passion. Um, I, I absolutely love it. I think podcasting is a fantastic medium, and, and tons of kudos, hats off to you for getting this thing launched and out as quick as you can uh, have. It's you don't see this normally, so man, a fantastic work on this. Can you can you can you mention with whom did you work as well? Because Jamie is behind some really big names in 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 podcast world. Absolutely. Um, so Sima Sima Vasa of Data Gurus, uh, we helped her get her show launched up and running, uh, and we also helped uh, the one and only Christopher Lockhead, uh, Category Pirates, also author of Play Bigger. We we helped launch his show and continue. Uh, to uh, support him in his endeavors for his number one rated Apple podcast uh, that is called Follow Your Different. Absolutely. Thanks. Th thanks for that. I want to say that Jamie helped us by really helping us structure the way we approach to, you know, preparing this podcast and it, that we are able to do it. It's only thanks to, to his excellent advice on, on giving us the process of, of preparing this podcast in a such a way that it's uh, timely and and but, but we are able to 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 do some you know eating and sleeping in the meantime <laughs> but i know uh, i i i we, we put a trust in in jamie not only because he looks like a santa and like he came bearing gifts uh, but because <laughs> uh, in our discussion i noticed that in his bottlenecks distant assistance he's very process oriented as you may or may not noticed before me and arthur we are very much excited by processes by making them more efficient and how to improve them but what jamie showed me it it looked like he's as as crazy on 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 uh processes as as we are uh i know that uh personal assistants uh, who work for, 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 for Jamie, who are prepared to work uh, with clients uh, by Jamie. They spent, if I remember correctly, 90 days being prepared. Uh, Jamie has a huge library of processes that uh, assistants need to uh, learn by heart. Why don't we ask Jamie? Jamie, can you tell us more about, about bottleneck distance assistance and, and you know, your vision behind it? Uh, absolutely, and and I'll 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 talk about it from from a shared background. I think that we we all three of us share um, from assistance systems and processes point of view. Um, it's 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 kind of ironic, but the people that have the systems understand how powerful 
that is with regards to delegation and and leveraging your time and being able to create new and venture off in one direction, knowing that and having the confidence that everything's going to be taken care of on on this side. And and there may not be things that are as exciting for that one person. And so therefore they can delegate that to somebody else who who is really excited about that and can thrive in different aspects of the business. And so that's that's kind of the core of bottleneck distant assistance. And and I mentioned Lockhead earlier, Christopher Lockhead, but he he actually he helped me create a brand new category, category design. Um, and he's the godfather of category in distant assistance, which is similar to virtual assistance, but we've we tweaked it and we want distant assistance to really bring home all of them are trained in documentation management and in workflow management and delegation management. And these are all things that are good buzzwords and people feel good about them. But bottleneck, we took it one step further. We actually make them work. So I love asking this question is how many people, you know, when I talk to them, how many things have you tried to do or that you've started that you haven't done that you really wish you could have finished? And they go, oh, I've never had anybody say, oh, I've finished everything. Never once has that ever happened. <laughs> At they least start going, oh, my. Yeah, right? <laughs> they, oh, my gosh, I wish I could finish this. If I could finish that, oh, this would do so much for us. If I could finish that, I just don't have the time. So I tell people, think of bottleneck. You are the creator. You create. That's what, you, that's what you're here for. Think of bottleneck as that execution arm. We're the doers. And we will document everything that we do so you have the doc confidence to know that you can delegate that with authority and confidence knowing that's going to get done. So that's what Bottleneck is. We, we get clients, they hire dedicated distant assistants from us in the role of either a personal assistant, project coordinator, or customer service representative, bookkeeper, things like that. And then we just kind of coach them along and, and help them grow their business. And, and I like to say grow their business the right way. As you guys know, systems and processes is it's fundamental, it's foundation. It's, it's everything in a business. Um, and if you're, if you're experiencing growth in a business right now and you're starting to identify those friction points, well, without any structural foundation in place, how do you know what works and what doesn't work? Uh, this is uh, we, we, this is you know you're, you're you're preaching to the choir. We are we are we are exactly uh, you know on board with this. But I, I would like to kind of ask you a, a slightly provocative question because uh, you know I I, I know Mar Marian is very kind of sometimes complains about certain companies where the, the the company employee seems to have a big binder of processes. And when they, they, they're asked to do something, they flip to the right page and start following the, the, the process. And the moment your case deviates from the process, they, 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 they just, they're stumped. They, they, they freeze, right? So how do you uh, kind of prevent that, uh, that kind of, and maybe you know, leave creativity for, for unknown decisions, unknown processes? Actually, this is this is one of the my favorites. I say, go for it. Make a mistake. Uh, do something that is is out of your comfort zone. What I found is, I used when I first started, I was documenting everything myself. Hired on an assistant, now forty nine, uh, and and they all do their own workflows now. And the reason why is they're spending all the time there. They're the ones that are kind of experimenting on what to do and what doesn't work and what does work. Not me. I'm doing something else over here. <clears throat> but they know if they make a mistake, it's not going to bankrupt the company. It's okay. They tried something new. It didn't work. Let's fix that, move in a different direction and see what does work. This way, they're continually improving the process. And I, I absolutely love this. There's two massive, fascinating byproducts that occur from this that I didn't even realize in the beginning. Well, they Number one, it makes them feel important. They have a voice in the company. They can make a decision without me micromanaging that decision, which is huge because 
The second byproduct is they end up staying here longer. They end up loving what they're doing. There's so much talk about turnover and, and, and the, the Great Depression and things like that right now. And if I were to say the underlying common denominator for people leaving an organization, well, the number one reason why people leave is because they don't like their direct supervisor. They don't like them. There's a rift. <laughs> but I would say it's, be, it's due to a lack of systems, processes, and workflows. It's because the systems aren't there that people don't feel confident in their role and their responsibilities. Therefore, what happens when you don't feel comfortable? You move, you get out of the corner, right? If you mm -hmm. try to do anything you can, except for feel that, that negative feeling. So it's, hopefully that answered your question. What you, what you, what you, what you said, it sounds like, like, like a half of our discussions or how half of our actually um, sales speeches. It's like you give people decision to make, you need to give them uh, knowledge about what what are possible consequences of this decision, so they have courage to make this decision. We we structure it in a way of of calling like uh, uh, calling in the the risk frameworks, and that's Arthur's excellent job uh, in in creating frameworks which relate to, to to each decision where people understand. Okay, this can go wrong, this can go wrong, but this is the risk tolerance. So yeah, this this decision in these parameters shouldn't bankrupt the company it gives people courage and we are preaching it all the time we're trying to explain people okay you have your process but your process is not just you know the list of actions between actions there are decisions which need to be informed you need to know to have data and need to give people uh, this freedom of operation the constraints where they will feel safe if you just tell them oh do whatever you want most of them will just stick to what they know and they will never improvise never 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 try to improve anything because they will be paralyzed it's uh, it's boring. It's I mean, this conversation. You can make it exciting, though. You really can, because when someone really gets into this and they feel that what they're doing is like, wow, what I'm doing is making, you know, holy cow, because I did this, the company's doing so much better. And they actually get invested in what it is yes. that they're doing. And they mm -hmm. do get excited. And it's it's really simple, too. Because you have to make definitions. You have to define what it is that you're trying to do. As simple as it may seem or sound, if there's no definition behind it, in this case, making a decision, well, what is making a decision? Me or any person on my team. And I will say this, go ahead, if you're listening, call in, call in randomly to my assistant, or somebody on my team. I'll happily give you the number 417-233-0836 and ask them, how do you make a decision? And they will say, number one, is it good for the company? Number two, is it good for the team? And number three, and only then, is it good for our clients? And the reason why is because if the company is not sound structurally or financially, how in the world can I say if I missed a payroll or I'm negative to my, how can I count on them to do what's their responsibility within their given role to take care of our clients? I can't do it. There's there's a breakdown. So in them making their own decision, they think this is going to be a good decision for the company because it's either going to make them more money or uh, it's going to improve our culture. And is it good for our team? Well, the team is going to love this. They've given me input. They've given me feedback. They love this decision. And number three, because of those two things, it's really going to help our client out if I do this. And that's how our team members make decisions so that I don't need to be there. <laughs> so you, you have a you have a, a lot of of trust in in in, in your team, and uh, you know uh, this 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 is I think the you know crucial. But earlier today, actually, Marian and I spoke to to someone who uh, disagreed with us on uh, on knowledge transfer. We, we talked about knowledge transfer, and uh, that, that that person disagreed with us and said knowledge transfer is not possible. You can only share your knowledge and share your vision. You cannot transfer it because the other person will not have the same amount of investment in that decision as you have. But you seem to 
to to to to trust your your team that they do have the same amount of investment as you do how do you ensure that they have the same amount of investment as as as, as you do because you're you're very passionate and i i i love this how do you in, instill that passion to make sure that they they do that uh arthur that's a f- fantastic question I actually have no doubt in my mind that not only do I trust them to take this information and soar that they're going to do way better than I ever anticipated. Why? Because they own it. It's theirs. It's, 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 they understand my tone, my voice. They understand the vision and the mission. But if they don't align with that mission or vision or, or understand my tone or my voice, they're going to splinter off from the rest of the group. That's not a person I'm going to be delegating a lot of information to. Uh, we had somebody before who was an amazing podcast editor. And I said, oh, my gosh, please document that because I want to show these other editors what you're doing. It's amazing. The person said, I don't want to give away my secrets. I respect that. Totally respect that. The next day, he was no longer working with us. Right? Right. Anybody that comes into this organization, they document, they share, because right now my personal assistant is that I hired initially four years ago is now our director of operations. It took me almost 90 days, I think it was 120, it's three, three or four months to train her up. Well, when she moved on, I got a new assistant. It took that assistant two weeks. And guess what? I didn't do any of the training. I have so much confidence that the team, once they get to make their own decisions, find that investment into this organization, it's theirs. Just as much as it is mine. While we do have a hierarchy, there's a flat line of decision-making going on. They don't need my approval to do something. They might ask questions because they may not know, but they're focused on these things way more than I am. And who in the world am I to tell a graphic designer on what to design or a WordPress web developer on what to develop? They're the experts, not me. Is it my company? Do I pay the bills? Absolutely. But I can never be where I'm at today without them taking leadership roles in their own responsibility. It's unbelievable. I I must say that, but, uh... Most of the times where, when we talk to people, maybe because we mostly work with, with big companies, there is so much politics involved uh, that such level of ownership is hard to imagine. We try to, to advocate it, like let people do their jobs. Like I, I, I was quoting uh, Steve Jobs, that you don't hire smart people to tell them what to do. You hire smart people to tell you what to do. But it's also like, you know, you, 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 you hire people you want, they need to want to do stuff. If, if they don't want to do stuff, all you will get is, uh, is, is, uh, smoke, uh, smoke and mirrors. They will pretend that they'll do, you, you will get the min- absolute minimum that you are able to, to, to enforce. Reminds me, I've been working in, in one corporation and uh, <clears throat> we were closing down a, a big project and I called the project team and, and I informed them as soon as I learned. It's like, okay, guys, we have time until March. Let's say it was four months ahead. And honestly, we will close a lead on this project and we will bury it somewhere next to radioactive waste. And a colleague of mine who've been leading this, this team earlier, he jumped on me, he said, oh, why did you tell them? How could you? It's like, you know, they, how you will motivate them? I said, you know, now it's my problem, not yours. Uh, but if you ask me, uh, I just told them that if they want to put something on their CV, it's like the last chance. You know? And the team increased efficiency by 20% easily. They just wanted to, 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 to finish. They, they, they could see that I am open with them that I, I'm not trying to manipulate them into, into nothing. I didn't need a promise of extended contracts or, or, or anything like you no know, uh, promise of a bonus or something. It was just, we knew what we wanted to do. It was as much my project as theirs. 
and we just wanted to see it, let's say, be born before it was buried. But but still, uh, the work was was done excellently. But I remember the shock in the the ripples that it had. You know, it's like how how could you tell that? <laughs> yeah, you yeah know, there's, there's one of. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, please, please, Jamie. Well, you're, you're the guest. I talk with Arthur so much. I'm... <laughs> <laughs> well, it, 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 what you just said made me think of something else, too, because we are always trying to reinvent or invent, I should say, new ways of uh, creating attraction and motivation and, and keeping people going. I cannot tell you the number of people that have tried to hire away team members here to come work for them and pay them even more. It's never happened ever happened at least that i know of it's never <laughs> happened uh, that said um every single january we're, we just talked about it in our q4 what's one of the things mm -hmm. we're prepping for q q q1 every single january every single person on the team rewrites their roles and responsibilities basically their job description Mm -hmm. Do their has their interests changed throughout the year? Did something impact them in such a way where their creative decided to take them in another direction? If so, let's rearrange their role. It's also the reason why whenever I interview, which is not too much anymore, but whenever I interview somebody, I ask them, what do you want to do after you quit here? Now, I've had people kind of push back on me. They say, that's, that's a terrible question. And I would simply ask why. For me, they might say, oh, no, I really want to work at Bottleneck. No. After you're done working here, what's your dream? Like, what would this be a nice step for you? Well, I want to go be a musician. Okay, fantastic. That gives me inf in information that I need to know. This person's going to be here. They know I'm excited about their future. They're going to work their hindquarters off for me for another year and a half, maybe two years, and then they're off to their music career. Or they may say something along the lines that, um, you know, I want to be a, I, I want to own my own business one day. Is there a way that I could create a role within Bottleneck because I really like this person to where they could feel like they. Maybe they own a piece of the business in the future. Maybe there's some way that we can build a role for them so that as they move from personal assistant to project coordinator to project manager to operations manager to director of operations, now all of a sudden, maybe they can make a little something here and, and kind of harness the power of being their own entrepreneur. What can we do? And by asking those types of questions, it goes all the way back to what we first started in systems processes and workflows because every time we do something we do something as if it's the last time we're ever going to do it and what that means is we document 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 the systems is the big circle that's all the different departments the processes are how each things get done it's a medium-sized circle for each department and then the workflows that's the step-by-step -step. and as you mentioned before uh that, that in the workflows, you have the how-tos, step one, step two, step three, but you also need decision-making. Well, if I make a call to somebody, Jamie, when do I follow up? Or Arthur, when is the best time for me to call back out? I don't know if you ever had somebody reach out to you and go, what should I do next? What do you want me to do? <laughs> well, if you can make a decision on what-if scenarios to where if you make a phone call, you get no answer, follow back up in two days. If you get an answer, what happened? Did they say yes, do this? Did they say no, do this? And you can actually make decision trees with decision logic. And it's so amazing what we can do. And here's the best part about it. I don't make it, my team does. Because they're involved <laughs> in that every single flipping day. <laughs> uh, and yeah, it's and it's another, another, another part is... Uh, mm. Putting, putting, we spoke about this trust with uh, with the president of uh, North Idaho College, uh, Dr. Nick Swain, and he he also put a lot of trust in his in his people. And he said that they started to do things that were just hanging in in meetings for years, uh, and he just told them, "Okay, try it, try it. Let's see what will happen. Just stop talking about it. Stop overthinking. Just you know, 
if you will do it wrong, we will correct it. Just just go and 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 the things he 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 started in August there, and he already made made some changes, some some things which were clogged bottlenecks were were, were removed by uh, allowing people to remove them. Yes, yeah, and it, this is this is exactly what you what you spoke about, Jamie. Allowing people to fail, and with you know with the kind of the envelope around it, which prevents them from doing any real harm should things go wrong. Right? You define that envelope, and you allow them to make their own decisions within this. This. this, this uh... But I, I wanted to ask you. You you mentioned you mentioned uh, about uh, people making their own decisions and and. You, you're giving them quite a lot of freedom. How do you ensure that you still have some strategic oversight above this? Because you cannot just let them, you know, let them loose and and come back in three years' time to see what happened. <laughs> yeah, that would be pretty. I, I, you might as well sell the company at that point, right? <laughs> if you kind of go through. <laughs> but I, I think there's a couple of things that that goes on with this. Um, of course, we have weekly meetings. Um, and we always keep our eye on the ball. What's what's the target? What's the goal? What are we doing? Every quarter we have a detailed quarterly uh, review of the previous quarter. And here's what we want to accomplish. Here's the four main things we want to accomplish. And as long as everybody understands, hey, we have our vision and our mission. That's pretty standard. It gets changed and tweaked a little bit as times change. We learn more. But basically that's pretty true. What does chain or the does chain are the are the dynamics of the operations within the business because we're working with different vendors, we have new clients, we're doing, we're growing, we're trying to do different things. So in the decision making, in my inside mind, my decision making process, I also understand that this is where we're trying to these these are the objectives we're trying to achieve. So my decision has to be in line with that. Um, if my decision is not in line with it, then, you know, I'm not part of this organization. You know, I'm not flowing to be part of it. And it is a, it's a big deal. And here's the other thing. Once you start giving somebody um, the power to make their own decisions, as small as this may seem, they become so invested in that role, so invested in that role that they do align with that vision. And I always say, if I'm charging up this hill to take the flag down at the top of the hill and I have, you know, a hundred people with me and they're going in 99 different directions, uh, we're not going to achieve much. But if we have a hundred people and we're going in 99 different, different ways up that hill, but we all understand what the vision is and what the mission is, we all want to take that flag. There's nothing that's going to stop us. And that's how we kind of get people to buy into, hey, this is this is what we do. And that's how we don't lose uh, the voice, the tone, the mission mm -hmm. uh, that we're trying to achieve. So we keep a, a weekly touch on that and then a quarterly review. And I think if people can do that. And by the way, people love showing up to our meetings because they're not just dumb old meetings. We have fun. They're entertaining. A different person leads the meeting all the time. We have training. So our, our graphic designer might show us, hey, this is what I do when you assign a project to me. And then everybody else goes, oh my gosh, I didn't know it was so much work. Everybody has buy-in at certain levels. And here's 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 the, the cool part about that. That person that did the training now feels even better because everybody cares about what I do and I love what I do. You can see it's just cyclical like that. And that's how we keep the ball rolling um, so that we don't lose any messaging along the way. I asked the, the, the same question to, 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 to Dr. Swain uh, because he's also an army vet. And I, I, I was really curious how much of this, uh, I would say, small unit tactics and operational freedom comes from, from having this experience. Uh, he said... Like, you know, in the army, you have your resources, you have your deadline, and it's do or die. And, uh, like, there is no value in following just, you know, steps. Uh, that's what I also said uh, back then, to my knowledge, one of the reasons why, why the Ukraine is, is doing so well, it's trained by, by, by Americans in, in small, small, small unit tactics and, and, and this flexibility coming from trusting your NCOs uh, with uh, actual decision-making process. So I, 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 I'm curious, um, 
as a civilian uh, through and through, uh, like did your background in the army also, you know, contribute to to the way you operate? Like, you know, okay, there is a there is this task. We have, you know, decisions. These are yours now. Go, do or die. Maybe not that harsh, but you know what I mean. Yeah, and to answer that, long story longer, absolutely unequivocally, 100%, yes. I even reference the military in my book that I wrote about systems and processes. Um, you know, Which everything. one? If you, maybe, maybe our listeners would want to read it. Yeah. Oh, quit repeating yourself, right? Oh, the, the main <laughs> one. Quit repeating yourself. Um, and, and, and so what I, that's a really good question because in, there's so many acronyms and everything in the army. And if you look at internally in my business, we have ISP, LOA, all these things. And we, we're, we know not to talk about this in the general public because they won't understand that. But internally, where do I learn that from? The military. Right. So, yeah, a lot of the corporations, the the corporations also are full of acronyms. And to to my uh, knowledge, half of it serves just to cover, I would say, lack of the actual meaning behind that. Arthur, maybe yeah. you can you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I have no, a feeling that in corporations acronyms, they, <laughs> they, they, they have a bit different different meaning. It's just you know if you have your you know ISPs and you met your KPIs and you know you yep. did things uh, on your ASAP or you know FUBAR or whatever. Uh, well, then by extension for the military, though, I, I think the step by step. And I was infantry, I was 11, I was a mortar, you know, 11, Mm -hmm. 11, Charlie was my MOS, MOS, but what we, we learned, we had to do things in a certain order. Now, the way I may have done it, our gun team may have done it a little bit differently than another gun team. And maybe we achieved a, a goal a little bit sooner because we worked as a team or as an element independent of someone else, but we basically had the same workflow to follow. Mm-hmm. You could literally see when we would run out, we'd line up four guns side by side and we'd run out to line up the, the uh, you know, uh, to get the gun level on where we had to shoot. And you're looking through the little peephole thing. I forget what it's called, but you know, you got the things, <laughs> everything's getting lined up and you could see it, the same thing was happening, but one team would win. One team was a little bit faster than everybody else. And that's because maybe that team jived a little bit better. I think that's probably what I learned most was problem solving and learning that, hey, it's okay. If there's a set of rules here, they're there for a reason. And I didn't feel locked in. I didn't feel like I have to do this. I was like, I get to do this. And here's the step-by-step process, get it done. But always pay attention to the process. And when you find hiccups or stresses along the way, find ways that can tweak that. And I, I, I know, I know it happened in the military. I've saw certain issues with some of the things that we were doing. And I brought that up to our LT and let him know, you know, what if we tried this being so receptive, we would try it. Maybe it worked, maybe it didn't, but he was receptive. And I would have followed that guy into any battle because he was such a great leader because he listened and i love the word listen i studied it for a full year and i came up with my own word listen means listen intentfully and soulfully to engage notably so i love listening and i think he was probably the person that kind of catapulted the rest of my life i was 20 years old when i learned that Uh, it's it's interesting because we noticed that you if I, we understood correctly, we were actually trying to, to, to understand what it means, but you guys are like discovering a word or working on a word for a year. It's like a habit of yours that you take a word and you chew, chew it up until it's, you know, probably resembles something a bit different, maybe a little eaten, but like, what's, <laughs> what's, what's the thought behind this process <laughs> of, you know, how, how do you chew, how do you chew the word and, 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 and to like, what is the goal of the process? Well, it started in 2018 when I came up with my first word of the year, because I was having a hard time keeping my eye on the road, uh, my eye on the ball, so to speak. And so I had to learn how to focus, which became my first word, focus, finding opportunities by creating uninterrupted strategy sessions. And I really had to focus in on what was happening. And be, be, before that, I was 
oh, squirrel, squirrel. You know, I was having a really <laughs> hard time doing that. And, and so what we did is we were very intentional about the word focus. So every meeting we'd have a little focus session. And that happened every single week for 52 weeks. And that just got, we understood the power of focus, the power of showing up and being intentional. And we thought, man, that worked out so good. What's our next word of the year? Oh, well, I talk too much. I need to get, listen more. Well, let's let's think about listening. Is there something about listen? You know, and then we got into that and we broke down each letter so that we could really spend some time on every single aspect of that word. And it just started becoming habit to us. And each year we kind of had a theme to kind of follow. <laughs> and, you know, it just turned out to where it was, it, it just became fun after a while. <laughs> what was 2021? Because uh, I know what was the word for I know what was the word for, for for the rest of the world in 2021. What was yours? My word in 2021: kindness. Kindness illuminates natural decency, creating neoteric energy with selfless statements. <laughs> <laughs> wow, this, uh, I, I really admire how it, it 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 must really be deep in your mind since you can just try to roll it out and. Uh, it 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 does does show that you've you've really embedded it in your psyche to to such an effect that it not it not mm. only is an acronym but it really becomes part of how you think. Yep, and every mm. year we share the words that we're studying on our website, so you can go in there and each letter we'll break down and we'll define what that letter means to us and. Those are different steps throughout the year that's included, by the way, in our KPIs and our goals and our quarterly objectives and all of that stuff. So we kind of bring things full circle and it's just it gives everybody something to hold on to and to grasp. It's uh, we're all in this boat and we're all rowing together as opposed to one person rowing over there and another person jumping out the side of the other <laughs> boat. So it gives something for us to grasp on to. <laughs> I'm really interested because uh, people who uh, about your clientele, uh, who who is really using uh, your, your your services? Who sees the value of having? Because I would expect that the most busy people they are some I would say free 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 agents. I don't know artists or 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 people who have this, this, this free free spirits working on their own. The other segment that I would think of is people on senior senior managers and and C level executives. But I can't imagine them, even though they probably would find it useful. I have troubles imagine uh, imagining uh, for the organizational. Uh, reasons using your services. So, who 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 is your, your your? Because everybody could use a good process and right hand knowing the processes. I know that it's a it's it's, it's a gold. If you if you have this person who is organizing your time, who knows how to organize things according to processes and understanding the priorities and like really engaged, it's 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 half of the success. So, long story short like who, who 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 is your main who 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 should give you a call after this this this, this episode <laughs> so any any agents agencies so real estate agencies um seo agencies advertising agencies uh, they do a lot of work where we would fit in really 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 good with them also entrepreneurs um, but entrepreneurs that are in a growth phase they've been around for at least three years they're you know, they've, they've gone through some of the initial, maybe even sometimes startups, but even then I'm a little hesitant uh, to work with startups, but mostly it's people that have been around for a couple of years that are experiencing growth and they're starting to hit some friction points and they're starting to, some of the, they're starting to drop the ball and maybe some of their clients are starting to get upset with them. These are the people that we can really, really help because these are the people that are doing business really well. They're going out there, they're getting the business and they're growing, but they don't have the time to document, to create that foundation for those systems and processes. And anybody that says, you know what, just hire me a rock star and I'll get it taken care of, or I'll get, I can just do it myself. I can get it done faster. Those are the two mindsets right there that my hope and goal is to change because those are the people we can help most. 
Those are the people that really need what it is that we can do. If they create and they haven't finished everything that they wanted to finish, that means that they haven't gone out and executed against their ideas. Hire a bottleneck and we'll be that person that goes out and does what it is that you want to create. <laughs> We've, we, we, we didn't have such sales, sales, sales episode yet, but I'm absolutely <laughs> glad that we do uh, because what you, what you, what you're preaching is also what we do. Uh, so let, let, let the love spread. Yes. People need processes. And we, we also now, now think very much of, of, of getting to uh, startups in the growth phase. We had a couple of, of clients like that, and maybe it's a, it's a niche because people, what we found that there is, uh, that's why we spoke about the knowledge transfer and, and maybe there is the topic we should touch upon because you have a core team and they know what, 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 what they do and they work well as a well-oiled machine and then they need to hire 50 people. And all of a sudden, you know, the grease falls off and uh, the sand gets in and uh, people who know well how to do, they don't have time to teach. They don't have time to, uh, as you said, document what they are doing. And uh, if they try to pass it, somebody is making the same mistakes that they did hundred times before we found the hundred and first way. And they are angry, like, why it doesn't work? Like, you know, it's obvious that you need to do it. Okay. It wasn't obvious for you two years ago. All right. But yeah, but that's that's uh, like do you do you do you structure somehow getting extracting the knowledge of what needs to be done from your from your from your clients? Let's say I I, I am a creative person. I don't know. I want to focus on making a podcast, and uh, I would like someone to take care of you know executing all that stuff around it. Let's ma manage it. I want to think about questions and and and, and beautiful. Uh, words that I will be using. I need to learn half of them from a dictionary before each episode. Um, so do you have a process for, for extracting the knowledge from people? How, how do you approach that? If, you, if there is completely new niche, like, you know, the completely new business, I understand that you may have some templates like, okay, if it's a sales, uh, sales uh, business, probably your people can even improve what they do because they already have seen multiple businesses running. The question is completely new business. Like, I don't know, I wrote, you know, space company, they create little rockets that go to the sun. Um, they want to hire people that will help with that. What do you do? I think it's the same thing. Uh, and this is probably going to be an unpopular answer. I would, I would <laughs> reckon it would be. However, I would, have you ever heard that, that saying, work on your business, not in your business? Have you ever heard that? No, I can't say I did. What, what, what does it mean? So people say they come, I've heard it a million times before. And at a certain point, I kind of I get it. I think, yes, work on your business, not in it. Meaning 30,000 foot view, going out and you know talking with, with you two and being on podcasts and doing things like that. That's more high level, right? That's creating awareness. Mm -hmm. That's kind of trying to reach out. And, and, and share the message with people and, and learn more on how you might be able to improve uh, the growth of your company and things like that. Wherein if you're working in your business, you're literally in it. Like I'm actually building out a nurture sequence for an email mm -hmm. campaign, or I'm actually typing out the workflow for blah, blah, blah. I am a huge, huge, huge believer to work in your business. Every single person needs to work in your business. You should never be that business owner where you're too good to work in your business and you have other people to do that stuff <laughs> for you. However, I do think there's a certain time and point when you've been in the trenches long enough where you've earned the right to work on your business. However, what you were just talking about, I feel, it's I'm the very first person that created a workflow in this company. I'm the very first person that created a system and a process and a workflow. I literally went, okay, the first time I clicked a mouse button, am I going to do it every time I click a mouse? Yeah, why not? Because you get, and I figured all that out and I actually was doing all these things, but now I don't do that. Somebody else does that. They do the workflows. So now I'm able to work on my business. And I think that's exactly how you do it. Um, to answer your question, again, it's probably not going to be the most popular answer, but I think you go back to the basics and, and that's how it's done. 
I've earned the right to work on my business now because I spent many, many, this, I started this in 2006, many, many years I've been in the trenches and it was only the last couple of years that I've been able to kind of reach outside of that. And in very much the same way too, people need to understand it's not a three month or a six month deal. When you begin this process of building or this, this systems processes workflows, you will forever be touching and improving upon um, technology changes, people change, things change. You may find a different way of getting so You need to update those systems and processes. I mean, we do it monthly here. Every single month we update our processes, every single month without fail, because something comes up that we learn that we didn't know before. But if you can establish that foundation early on, that's the key. That's pretty hard to do. It takes some time, <laughs> especially in a startup, especially if you're going to go out and hire 100 people, hire that one person, that person that is really good. They're really good administrative, administratively, but they understand what it is you're trying to do and have them support you in this journey to kind of build out, okay, this is our vision. This is our plan. We need to hire 100 people. Well, let's break this down one at a time. What departments are we looking at? What needs to happen? What's what's the objectives here? How does all of that work? And then you can get that person to kind of start documenting all of those processes uh, by having conversations with you. That's what I did here. It started with two people, two people. Mm-hmm. And not that we're huge, but if someone came to me right now and said, I need to hire a hundred assistants tomorrow, I could do it. And I would have all the confidence <laughs> in the world knowing that we could pull it off. And uh, I guess it, it, it all comes to this, to, to, to this confidence again, that, that, that the, the, the people are actually able to deliver because, uh, you know, by, by giving, uh, what, what you mentioned about give, giving the people the, the ability to document their own processes and, and own those processes, they, they, that prevents them from becoming drones who are just following a script and then, you know, because very often, you know, I, I, my, my history is in big corpos and, uh, and very often we had policies and procedures and one of, one of two things always happened infallibly. Either the policy and process was a very nice document that sat somewhere in a drawer and no one really referred to it much because it, was, it wasn't reality. People did their own thing. Or the complete flip side, there was a process and people literally went point one A Today, I'm going to do that, right? It doesn't matter that it's completely irrelevant, but that's what's written, so I'm doing it, right? And uh, this is because people didn't feel that ownership. So, so this, this kind of brings it all together, what, what you said before, that giving the people the, the ownership actually makes this work. Absolutely. Uh, I, have, I, I have a question, maybe, maybe, maybe a tricky one, I'm, I, I, because... When we speak with people who we, we, we spoke to a gentleman who was working in a startup, he moved there from the corporation. And when, when we asked him, okay, what, what was the main difference? What did you notice? What did you like? And he said, the energy, the energy, like, you know, we, we tried to do something. We, 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 uh, we failed in the end, but still it will stay, stay with me, you know, until the, now, you know, uh, looking at you, it's, 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 uh, I wish I had so much energy when I was 20 years old. I'm not talking now, <laughs> uh, but, uh, do you think, is there a way to somehow transfer this energy, this ability to innovate, to own, to big corporations right? from your experience in, in, you know, working with different companies and I believe uh, running your podcast, you spoke with many different people. Like, let's say that I would be like C-level executive in a really big corp and I would say, Jesus, I would like my people to be so engaged as, as Jamie J says. I, 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 I bought them, a, you know, some, some, some perks on, you know, they have, I don't know, discount on luxury clothing and they have like fruit in the bowls every Thursday and still they don't, you know, have the same level of engagement as Jamie you know, like, what, what do I do? Listen intently and so fully to engage notably. That's what it is. I wholeheartedly believe this. To motivate anyone, 
get them talking to you and give them a platform that they can chat with you. Once a quarter, I have one-on-ones with every single person on the team. And my whole job is to ask them, how are you? What can I do to support you? Is there anything else that you see in this organization that I might have the power to change that would make your life even better? Open-ended questions and then shut up. (laughs) (laughs) You You will be amazed at, and uh, this, there's a theme here, right? It's, it's all about giving them a voice and, and, and letting them know that I care about what, and I legitimately care how they feel and how they're treated. And uh, we don't have a work-life balance. I don't believe in that. We have life. That's it. <laughs> there's just life balance. How do you have a balanced life? Well, I don't want you to have to go, oh gosh, I have to go into work today. I got to do systems and processes. I want you to say, (laughs) I get to go in and have fun with this thing. I get to do whatever I want with it. And by the way, I'm getting paid for this. This is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And I, I, I I think it's listening. I seriously believe that in my heart of hearts. No matter what position they have, if you can listen to what they think and what their ideas are. And, and you know, like, you know who their family is. Uh, if they're not feeling well, you know, like I know my assistant had 102 degree temperature yesterday. Did she come in? Heck no. Rest. Take care of yourself. It was her mom's birthday last weekend. I hope she had a great time. I really wanted to talk to her about it, but I didn't talk to her until today. How was your weekend? (laughs) It was amazing. And she went into everything that they did. And I can promise you right now that she would turn down the next job offer that came for the simple fact that I listen. It's amazing. It's, 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 it's such a nice contrast from one of my, my, uh, my previous, one of my previous managers who thought that one-to-ones were an opportunity for her to vent her frustrations at her employees. <laughs> I remember one, one of us that I had had where for 40 minutes of the one-on-one, she would just be talking and, uh, you know, I, I just said, <laughs> so I, and you know, I think I think that the, the the key here is is that you really believe in this because uh, I I heard so many so many times people say uh, we uh, you know I'm an I'm a manager who listens and then they go on talking but you actually listen and and it's it's I think I think it it really does require to to the to the to the CEO who who, who kind of Marian mentioned I think you know, if I understand your, your thought, your kind of thoughts process correctly, I would say just really believe in it because otherwise it's just not going to work. This is not, not some slogan that you can buy for 400 quid on the marketplace. This is something you have to invest yourself in before other people get invested in it. I think something needs to occur too, um, to, to really, really set in to believe into something. Uh, Honestly, I shouldn't even say honestly. I, I, it's no, there's no dishonest about this. But when I started this, I, I started this company to make money. I wanted to be a millionaire. Like I really want, like I went into this thing. Oh man! Oh my gosh! Look at that profit margin. Oh man! Which, by the way, is not much <laughs> as much as I thought it was. However, um, and then all of a sudden, uh, it was a Saturday. I got a phone call. I think I told you guys this story, but this changed my life. And, and it gave me the energy um, to really believe in this and be transparent because this person called and I thought, okay, this person hired somebody from us 90 days ago. He probably wants to get rid of him. That's my mindset going into this. And I'm like, what the heck's wrong with me? Well, he said, Jamie, I said, what are you doing? Call me on a Saturday. Jamie, I just wanted to call. I know I promised I wouldn't be working. This is the first day I've taken off since I've hired my assistant. The first Saturday I've taken off in over a year since I started this business because of this assistant, I just wanted to let you know, I'm sitting here on the porch with my wife and my kid. And I was like, well, <laughs> well what are you going to do? He goes, well, tonight I'm going to take him out to dinner and we're going to go watch a movie. And that's what made me think of the ripple effect. Because now this entrepreneur that has been so busy in his world, he's had no time for family. Now, because his assistant has calmed his life down, and replaced a lot of that work. Now this person 
is able to go out and take that. And he was pretty successful, you know, a couple, couple million a year he made in his marketing agency. And he got, now he's taking that money and spending it on another entrepreneur's business. So that entrepreneur can take better care of their team, their clients. And then he's going to go spend it in another entrepreneur's business. This is what I coined the ripple effect for, for us. And as if that wasn't enough to motivate me, the phone wrestles away and his wife goes, Jamie, thank you for giving me my husband back. Well, and I was like, I got what? And I think that's the under, that was it. That's what I needed. I needed, this was so much more than, than, than what I thought it was. And my team sees that they, they know that they're out there and they work so hard because they're changing a human being's life. Somebody that goes from being so stressed to really enjoying, um, their family and doing whatever it is. This person, by the way, now has over 50 people working for him. At the time, that was the first hire. So it was pretty amazing seeing the impact of something we created completely affect somebody in a positive way. And 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 now that I have that, there's no stopping my motivation for reaching out and taking care of somebody. And because of, I think, my example there, our team follows suit. And they know that because they're going to do this thing, no matter if it's a graphic design or if it's whatever, it's contributing to improving someone else's life. And if you can find something like that, then I believe there's no stopping you. Um, and that's where kindness comes in. When we study kindness in 2021, this is what we learned. It's about giving back and finding that human aspect. And that's the other thing that I hate about the word virtual assistant, because it's like robots and chatbots and we're <laughs> real live human beings. Um, and I think that's the, the, the virtual suggests it's not real. It's like, it's the name of the like virtual, like non-existing, just, you know, somewhere ephemeric. I have, that's why they're distant one, assistants, one, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I have one question and, and, and one maybe comment with a question, if you agree with my comment. Uh, the question is, what is the, the, the mission and vision of your company? Like, sp spell it out loud. Okay. So uh, the, I, can, I can literally spell it out. Um, we have a philosophy, a mission, and a vision. We also have um, a provocative point of view. But our vision is to inspire and provide innovation for today's business leaders. And if you see something kind of ironic about that, I don't know if you can see it on my book, but it's today's business leaders on the cover of my book as well. Create ongoing partnerships that are instrumental in building businesses for a better world. I think we can always improve. And our mission is to cultivate and identify remote-based, dedicated, distant assistance for business leaders who want to build deep personal relationships with real human beings. Again, I'm going back to that real human beings. I didn't just pick that out of the air. It's human. It's the human beings. That's, that's what we're here for. Our provocative point of view is stop doing the wrong things so you can focus on your best work. Document, 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 delegate. Document, 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 delegate. Focus on what you do best, what brings you the most joy in the world, and find somebody else. For me, I hate numbers, I hate bookkeeping, but I, I, I delegate that to our bookkeeper. Our bookkeeper loves accounting. <laughs> she loves accounting. I can't, I don't understand it, but she loves it. Guess what? She's thriving in that aspect of the business that kills me. I say, just give me the cliff notes. <laughs> Please, no math, no, no math. No math. And she loves it. So that's, that's what I say. I, I, I uh, uh, find somebody that really thrives and that, that aligns with your vision, your mission, your core values and your provocative point of view. One, one, one thing that I, that I would like to, to, to a comment and, you know, uh, maybe you agree. Uh, it's when you are a CEO in a, in a bigger company, like you're, you're, you cannot go and talk to everybody down there. But you you can you can select some some levels. That's one thing. But the thing that I think should be remembered, and what processes, let's say, a little 
may may help you in is somehow I've never seen a company that had a mission and vision like we need to make the most money, uh, you know, from everybody and the vision we will rip off our employees, investors and everybody else in the meantime and the environment in the meantime, all right? It's not a mission and vision. And somehow you go down and you very often get the feeling that that's the mission and vision of the company. That's the, the, the decision, let's say, making is ori- oriented, not if you achieve mission and vision, but if it's profitable. Uh, okay, businesses need to be profitable. The question is, why do you have mission and vision? So if you are an engaged CEO, if you want to, to get energy out of people, make sure that mission and vision of company if you don't believe it, change it. But if you do, make sure that every step down, this is something which, which, which is your value statement, something which is the priority, is are we in alignment with our mission and vision? Because if you will instill the need of creating maximal profit, what you will get is people who work for you for money and trying to engage them with fruity Thursdays might be a bit harder than you may expect. <laughs> the times changed. Absolutely. I, I don't know. And I think it was Walmart's mission statement, like it said, to save people money or something like that. And and I was like, why would you even... Uh, money should be in the no part of any mission or vision. M word. Yeah, like it just it it baffles me. How do you improve a human being's life? How do you how do you take away their pain? What is it that you can do to make this human being's life better here on Earth? Like, what is that? And if you can find that, holy cow! um, I don't care (laughs) what you do, you're providing a service for you. You guys do systems and processes. A lot of people find that painful. They, they do the act of doing, right? Or not knowing where to start. You go in and you kind of say, well, we need to gather some data. And then that'll kind of help us learn which direction we need to go and what we need to do. I, I would assume it would be something along those lines. There's got to be some way of you guys are the get them started type, wherein these people in businesses, they're so busy focusing on their own little world, they don't know how to get started. That's why they hire you. They need to go out and have you come in and support them and guide them and do what's right. Because why? It's not their cup of tea. It should be very important to them, but they don't know how to do it. And they need to become super effective and more efficient because they're growing or whatever, whatever their KPIs are. That's why they reach out to you guys, because you guys are the expert. It's the same thing in every role. You need to reach out to mm-hmm. whoever's good working in that role. And here's the other thing. If you're a big CEO and you have thousands of people, obviously, you can't have the one-on-ones with everybody. But how do you know that vision's carrying on? Well, every single meeting we do, every single one starts off with a reading of our vision and mission and a provocative point of view. Every single one, top of mind, every single time. It's super critical because we believe in it. But what's more than that is... Train those that you can trust to go train other people and figure that out. Do you know, uh, I don't do all the trainings here. We have some great people on board, but I know they're carrying through with this vision and mission. There's some people in our organization that are external to us. They work for our clients. I've never met them. It, it pains me, but it's physically impossible for me to meet everybody. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I see the reviews that we get on people that we've hired and what they say about bottleneck. And it's pretty amazing. We, I, we actually do videos and we're like, just tell us the truth. What did you think? And then we post their responses online as social proof. And I think if, if that's a way that you can kind of infect, uh, for the lack of a better term, infect your company with the goodness that it is. And that message will carry through. Yeah. All right. On 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 this note, I, I would really like to thank you, Jamie. This is this has been uh, really uh, very educational, very very inspiring, uh, and uh, that's that's all we have time for. So as always, let's hope it was of use to someone. 
Thank you for listening. Make sure to check out podcasts mentioned by Jamie J in this episode. Data Gurus with Sima Vasa, whose mission it is to bring you a real-life perspective on what's happening in the data industry and how successful companies and individuals in this niche navigate through the sea of change. Then there are two podcasts by Christopher Lockhead. Follow your different and Lockhead on Marketing voted number one dialogue and marketing podcast respectively. Described by the author as podcasts for people who want to design legendary businesses and legendary lives. As usual, all links to the references will be available in the notes to this episode. Also, don't miss the next one, where we will be discussing the idea of data mesh with the co-author of an excellent book, Data Mesh in Action, my co-host, Dr. Siwek. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform or visit bdr.show to find out more about future episodes and guests. You can also check out Cognition.llc for more information on Cognition Shield Solutions, our services and other events hosted by us. For now, it's thank you from myself, Artur Guja, and my co-host, your friendly neighborhood data guy, Dr. Maren Siwiak. Thank you and goodbye.